A big thanks goes to our producers for this week's episode. Danielle, Ginger, Mike, Cat OJ, Devin, Savannah, Pixel Donut, Janelle, Michelle, Diane, Joy, Josh, Shorty, Lauren, Rebecca, Araceli, Kehlani Hawaii, Obese J, Katie, Rory, Kaylee, and Bradley. I'd also like to welcome to the online campfire Shelby and Rosa. Thanks for joining and supporting the podcast. And also thanks to Chris Tell. I hope that's right. If you're interested in becoming a member of the official Nightmare Society Campfire online, you can find us on patreon.com slash nightmare society. It's a way you can show support for the podcast, or if you're just interested in bonus episodes, early access, and other creepy things that I come across, that is where all of that is housed. There are a few tiers for you to choose from starting at a dollar a month. A big shout out to some lovely listeners who left really kind reviews on Apple Podcasts. It's been quite a while since I checked the reviews over there, and I was very happily surprised at the amount of reviews you guys took the time to leave. So, thank you so much to Dr. Love 1023, Sino86, Alexis311, Acceleron, Love My Great Life. I really like that username. Finley Hearts Nightmare Society, also love that one. KK who gave me a really good laugh with their review. Uh, Fake World News, KKLEE337, Kabuto360, Rose, I hope I'm pronouncing that okay, Um, Ego Assassinator, Sammy underscore G316, Lee Hui, and Western31596, who I might have mentioned before, but uh, that's okay. Thank you all so much for uh, leaving such kind reviews. I, I really appreciate it. Also, thank you so much to our wonderful contributors for tonight's stories. User High Defiance and User Aseet. And lastly, don't forget the Nightmare Society podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts, as well as YouTube. And there's always a new episode every Thursday. You can find us on Instagram at Nightmare Society Radio. So go head over there and give us a follow. Now, get comfy and prepare yourself for another episode of The Nightmare Society. This happened almost two years ago. It was around two in the morning during summer and I was asleep. My blinds were cracked but my room was on the second floor of the house. I woke up to the sound of my phone vibrating against my pillow. The moon was shining through the blinds, dimly lighting up half of my room and leaving the other half in the dark. It read, no caller ID. I don't remember why, but I felt like I needed to answer it. Groggily, I remember mumbling hello. 
A man's voice I did not recognize replied after a solid and quiet few seconds. Are you alone? I couldn't think of what to say. I didn't say or do anything for what felt like minutes. I couldn't put a face or a name to the voice. It was low and grumbly, and he sounded like he was moving. Finally, I said no, and hung up. Seconds later, I heard the doggy door downstairs open. You all know the sound, but imagine that slowed down. My dog was in my bed, now moving towards me as I had woken him up. The doggy door closed. I sat in the unsettling silence, waiting for the sound of footsteps coming up the stairs. Nothing. After a few minutes, I slowly got out of bed and made my way to my window, which overlooked the backyard. From there, I could see the back gate on the side of the house, slightly ajar. I stood and stared, unsure about what to do. I quietly went downstairs, ready to face whatever or whoever entered my house. But the back door was shut and locked. In order to get through the doggy door, the back door had to be open. This gave me some relief, but I was still unsettled that someone had tried to enter my house. So to the man who tried to break in and somehow found my old number, let's not meet and shut the freaking gate on your way out. This is for all you Texans out there. This is my Texas nightmare. It was around 2001 or 2002. So cell phones were a thing, but it was still common for people to not have them. Usually, I had a beeper that I carried around, but with no phones at the lake house, my father gave me a walkie-talkie with a very long reach instead. Looking back on it now from a world of cell phones, this seemed like a bad idea. But this was a small town, and we had spent so much time there that it felt safe. So, one of these weekends, I was buzzing around my neighborhood like I usually did and I stopped at this peninsula that overlooked the lake. This was a set of docks that us kids always came to when we wanted to swim, despite the very real threat of the giant alligators of East Texas. But being stupid kids, we really didn't worry about that. I was overlooking the lake when my walkie-talkie buzzed to life. Naturally, thinking it was my parents trying to reach me, I answered quickly. I couldn't quite make out what they said at first, so I tried confirming that it was my dad. This point in the neighborhood was a little ways away from the cabin, but I had reached my parents from this point before, so despite the fact I could not quite recognize the voice, I assumed it was my dad. Nothing seemed out of the ordinary at first. I don't remember exactly how the conversation went, but it was off enough that I remember being slightly annoyed. Garbled questions that I answered, 
but no answers that would have hinted who I was or where I was. Eventually, the conversation started to drift in a way that I knew something was off, but I wasn't alarmed just yet, as my dad was extremely notorious for pulling pranks on me and goofing around. I kept talking, stupidly. Alarm bells weren't going off yet. Finally, though, the guy on the other end of the walkie-talkie made a comment. I cannot for the life of me remember what he said exactly, but it was enough to make me doubt that it was my father. This is when things took an extremely creepy turn. Bear in mind I had been talking to this guy pretending to be my father for a good 15 minutes, sitting on my four-wheeler on this peninsula. I can see you, you should come take a ride in my boat, he said. My father had a boat, but this was so out of character that it made me realize it was not my father. Dad? You're not dad, are you? What are you talking about? If you can see me, then, what am I wearing? I said, feeling a bit annoyed that this guy had been messing with me. He paused for a second before the walkie crackled to life, and he said very clearly, You are wearing an orange shirt. You have red hair, and you're sitting on a red four-wheeler right by the swim docks. Why don't you come ride in my boat? At this point, my eyes widened and my blood ran cold. This entire time, some strange guy that I don't know had been watching me from God knows where. It took me maybe 10 seconds to look around wildly and then kick the four-wheeler up and race out of there so fast that the wheels had a hard time catching ground. I remember the wheels spun out against the gravel beneath them, and when the four-wheeler finally started moving, little me had a hard time holding on. I floored it the entire way home, stopped in the middle of the yard, and burst into the house. Obviously, the first thing I did was ask my parents if they had contacted me, which they had not, and they hadn't for hours. I was in such a panic that there was no way my dad wouldn't have confessed it had been him. He was a practical joker, but he knew when the fun was over. I hate to think what might have happened had I continued sticking around that area, or if I hadn't figured out that it wasn't my dad pulling my leg. Nothing came of this incident though, and my childhood up there resumed as normal. Eventually the weekend visits stopped. But the story doesn't end there. During my parents' divorce, I moved to live at the lake house permanently with my father, or at least until we could find something better. This was the only place we could go when he left my mother, which is a long story in and of itself, but I won't get into that. My father had recently suffered from health issues, so I took a job at a nearby gas station slash tobacco barn to pay the bills and let him recuperate. 
Thankfully, the lake house had no bills, save for electricity, water, and internet. So my small salary was enough to keep us going. Only worked for three months, but those three months were by far the creepiest I've ever experienced. Within the first month, a rather tall and obese man became infatuated with me, and he could not have been creepier. He had short crew-cut hair and a slightly unkept beard and mustache combo. The first time we ran into each other, he stared at me with these wide, crazy eyes, ordered his gas, and just stood there for like two to three solid minutes, just staring at me. When I asked if I could help him, he said nothing. Now, the part of the tobacco barn I worked in was strictly the gas side, and I was pretty much in a glass box with an opening to take people's money and give them their cigarettes, which I could not have been more thankful for. Several times that this man came to visit, he would leave to pump his gas after staring at me awkwardly. About the fourth or fifth time after I thought he had left, I heard a knock on the other side of the barn on the glass. There he was, face pressed against the glass, staring at me with his wide, manic grin and waving at me with just his fingers. It was enough to send me running for my manager when he left, demanding to go on break before I peed myself. The last time I saw him, I will never forget though. It's been etched into my mind so deeply that I doubt Bleach could scrub it away. He arrives as he usually did and orders his gas. This time, however, he reached through the hole in the glass and grabbed my hand before I could put the cash away in the register. It wasn't a violent grab, but it was firm enough to keep me from pulling away. Being a very sheltered 18-year-old, I froze in place. I love you, he said, refusing to let go of my hand. I simply stared at him, unnerved, and alarm bells ringing in my head. Say it. Say it. Say it. Say it. What? what? Say you love me. Uh, I... Naturally, I just wanted this guy to go away and being so freaking scared out of my mind at this point of him, I stammered and set it out of impulse. Maybe he would let me go, and go away. I, I, I love you. I said uneasily. Call me if you need anything. What's my number? He asked again. This threw me off completely, and the look on my face probably gave away my confusion, because he repeated himself, despite my stammering that I did not know. Finally, he said something that made my blood run cold. I felt like I was going to throw up. It's not one. one. He winked at me. This guy was the sheriff deputy, the person I would have to call if I got into any sort of trouble in town, the person I'd have to call if I had a medical emergency, 
or if someone tried to rob me, and he would not let go of my hand. I just nodded, trying to keep myself from shaking bad enough for him to feel it. He had never pulled up in a police car or anything, but when I talked to my manager, she confirmed what he said as being true. Once he did let go of me and went on his way, I retreated to the back and demanded to be relieved from the gas station area. I did not care. I just did not want to see that guy ever again. Thankfully, we moved soon after, so I never had to. But I will never forget the leering grin that that man gave me every single time he purchased gas. You'd think moving away would be the end of the story. But no, it got even worse when I went to college, and you wouldn't think that that would be the case, considering I was in Galveston. I had needed to go to my counselor to discuss a few things, and this usually involved about 30 minutes of chit-chat, as me and my counselor had become close while I was attending school. During one of these chats, which my father had attended due to him attending school and the same classes as I was in, in an effort to finally get his degree, I mentioned Onalaska, Texas, and how we had owned a lake house up there. Instantly, the happy expression left my counselor's face. She informed me that she had been a social worker in that area for quite a few years, and suddenly my childhood playground took on an extremely dark turn, and the sheriff at the gas station became a nightmare. Apparently the area was notorious for pedophilia, kidnappings and other horrible, horrible incidents. Whole neighborhoods, including police officers, were in on it, and it was common for people trying to out the incidents to either go missing or be completely thrown out of the community through intimidation tactics. She proceeded to tell me of several cases she had worked on, careful to leave out the confidential details of course, including incidents of entire families being in on the whole mess. When I told her about the sheriff I had encountered, she kind of paled and would not tell me any more except that she wasn't surprised. The conversation went on for over an hour and a half, but it was enough to make me never want to return to the small town I had called my childhood summer home, and vow to never ever bring any children I might have in the future there. So to the guy that intercepted my walkie-talkie signal and tried to lure me to his boat, and to the creepy sheriff, let's never meet again. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time. Sweet. <laughs>